0: My name is Carrie Stevens, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Allison Warner. We are the co-chief editors of Plastic Surgery Practice. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. Today we were joined by Dr. Ryan Neinstein, a board certified plastic surgeon in New York City and owner of Neinstein Plastic Surgery, who has been dubbed the Surgeon Surgeon. Dr. Neinstein's office is also located above the iconic Bergdorf-Goodman Department store. He's here today to talk about his unique approach to plastic surgery how the Birkin body came to be and how other plastic surgeons can maximize their presence on social media. Dr. Ninstein, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, guys. Thanks, Carrie and Allison. This is an absolute pleasure to be here and I'm ready to jump right into this.
0: Yeah, we just, we're really happy to have you. Um, I follow you on social media and have been a big fan for- Love it. Months. But yeah, I just, to start, can you talk about how you got into plastic surgery and a bit about, about your backstory?
1: Sure. So listen, I think I still think medicine is the greatest profession in the world. I think there is very few things in life where you get to provide service to others. There's constant growth and you can feel good about what you do when you go home at the end of the day. So for anyone, you know, for young people, I always say medicine is great. Medicine is great. Medicine is great. Um, you know, I grew up the grandson of Holocaust survivors and it was embedded into my DNA from a young age that it's important to to find a profession we provide service to others. Um, I was always into competitive sports. I played football and I played rugby all the way through high school and college. And that was something that was very important to me. And that kind of teamwork to a collective goal was partly what drove me into medicine. And on the scholastic side, the certainty of science always made a lot of sense to me. So when you put teamwork together and the certainty of science, it naturally leads you to medicine. And surgery was something where you can make, you know, a direct impact on people's life quickly and efficiently and can give you a lot of personal satisfaction and plastic surgery in and of itself is one of these unique things in life or especially in medicine where you're not necessarily treating something that's bad that ba- bad that's happened to someone like a disease a trauma you're not trying to just bring them back to normal we actually get to work with engaged people trying to go to an a better state an elevated state and the confidence we can provide people and the happiness um, is really fulfilling and I think makes it a, a wonderful career choice. And if you can give a lot of people a lot of confidence and a lot of comfort within themselves, I think you've done a lot of good.
2: Excellent. Well, you know, since our brand is about the entire plastic surgery practice from the clinical to, you know, to the business side, how have you built a strong team at Nineteen Plastic Surgery and what's unique about your culture there?
1: Well, we, we have four core principles within our culture and these four principles overlie you know the underlying themes. So number 1, you know, we seek out experts within their field. So when we're looking for an operating room nurse, we want the best operating room nurse. If we're looking for someone who's going to be a patient care coordinator, we're going to go across the street to the Ritz and we're going to take a concierge cuz we want someone who has those um, innate talents embedded within them. The second thing we look for and our second core principle is really a consistent curiosity for knowledge. We do not look for people who are in neutral or in reverse in life. It is all gas, no breaks here. Okay. We want people learning things all the time. And that feeds into our third core principle, which is they generously share knowledge. No one is on an island here. When people learn things from um, anything within the practice, it's shared. And then the fourth, and which is the hardest thing for people, and why we have a select group who join here, you got to be able to take feedback. You're going to be taking feedback from left, from right, from up, from down. Okay, it is not a top-down, classic siloed uh, corporate structure where you know the boss is t- is telling everyone what they're doing wrong. We're always helping each other get better by recognizing things that um, we don't necessarily see. We all have blind spots, and when you take down the barriers to um, allow people when you take down the barriers of criticism and know that people are telling you things that you're missing for a positive there's just such more rapid growth Um, and being dedicated to the to the growth of others is the real you know key secret for entrepreneurial success so you know to me it's like it's like your children you know it's like you're passing on your dna you want to see your children succeed you want to see everyone on your team succeed Within us, you know, we have people becoming professional photographers, becoming clinical nutritionists, people who are at Wharton in human capital, people at Harvard in economic studies. People are always trying to better themselves. And, you know, when it's good for the hive, it's good for the bee.
2: Well, a follow up to that, you know, you're, you know, in New York city where you practice, it's very saturated with plastic surgeons. So I'm wondering, you know, Carrie mentioned the fact that your practice is above Bergdorf Goodman. I'm just curious, like, what is the vibe of your practice? Who are, who's coming to see you and why that location? I
1: I always believe that if you want to, you know, make a splash and show people, you know, that you're here for real, like you go to the, at the best location possible. Um, we have an iconic location we want to be an iconic practice we're not you know bergdorf goodman's been here for 80 years 90 plastic surgery wants to be here for 80 years we're not looking for uh, a first floor on first avenue i want penthouse overlooking central park because we're here to stay um you know and the dna embedded within this building is immigrants who came with a skill and created something from nothing and built it up to provide the people of new york the people of the world you know a diverse um collection of clothing from Bergdorf's and they've been avant-garde from the beginning new things that people thought were different and new and you know what has become staples in fashion you know extrapolating that to us we have a, a diverse team we serve a diverse community it is the well-heeled Upper East Side patients the Greenwich Connecticut, Palm Beach, Paris, London um, but we also serve a lot of people from RuPaul Drag Race um, you know Everyone is, you know, the diversity of age within my practice is amazing. We have people who have been in the operating room for four years. We have, been, have people who have been in the operating room for 40 years. We have people who are from all parts of the earth. We have people from uh, all, you know, walks of life, shapes and colors. And, you know, that diversity of thought um, really allows us to have a lot of creativity and inertia. But we serve a lot of diverse people from all over the planet um but they have one common unifying feature they want to you know look good and feel good and that's what you know brings them here and we send that you know we have a beacon we're on the 12th floor Bergdorf goodman overlooking central park that's where you want to be when you're going to do something like this
0: yeah so okay i have to get in the birkin body i mean i've had to myself and i follow you on social media and i see your before and after they're amazing how did the birkin body come to be
1: um you know, that's something a lot of our patients have colloquially brought up over a little bit of time. And I guess that just traced its way into the, um, the post and one of the writers over there. You know, someone probably, to- someone probably told someone about it, um, what we do. And, you know, listen, what we do is we take plastic surgery, we, t- we take it to another level. We're not trying to do surgery. We're trying to win surgery. I mean, we're not trying to get through an operation. Um, I'll do everything possible on this planet to make sure each and every operation is better um, that possibly could be done, and when you do it that way, and you hyper focus, and you have a worldwide catchment, um, you know, it becomes tougher to get in, becomes tougher to get, and people want to show it off. Similar to the, you know, the Birkin bag, and you know, it makes sense for the, you know, the kind of joking name because. We're above Bergdorf, so it all kind of fits. But, you know, listen, we're here to provide the best service possible and sprinkle our magic sauce, which is the patient experience.
0: So with that, can you talk about the recovery and kind of how you incorporate post-recovery with your patients?
1: Surgery is not the three hours you are in the operating room, okay? This is an experience and a long-term relationship. You know, we are in contact with our patients for years and years and years and probably forever. You know, I have 10 books on my, t- on my desk that patients have sent me from around the world and we send them back and forth. We get to know these people. It is not a mill. It, it, it's something that we're, you know, we invest as much time, energy and resources into the operations as the patients are doing back. This is just the way we practice. It's the way we believe people deserve to be treated in medicine. We think medicine should happen for people, not to people. And that's something we do. So just to give you a broad strokes view of how we appreci- uh, approach recovery, it starts with the pre up You know, 30 days before, one of our nurse practitioners um, becomes the Sherpa or the guide for the patient. We believe in nurse practitioners. I like that extra master's degree that shows a level of maturity and commitment. These people are all in. Starts becoming the guide and we get into diet and Amazon lists for ordering. We have private after nurse teams, okay? These are people who are trained, systems, processes, not only to ensure everything is safe, but to ensure the experience works well. Our patients are brought over to one of our partner hotels across the street, like the plaza or the Pierre, with our nurses and our uh, aftercare nurses. We have everything set up in the room, flowers delivered, 24 hour care. Um, We have a whole system and process for the way the sheets are laid out, the way the medications are given, everything is done um, in a certain way to provide the best experience possible, because it's a big deal. And we talk about all day long, how do we take something that's scary? How do we take something that's overwhelming and make it enjoyable? Because nobody wants surgery, nobody wants to electively be cut in half, but everyone wants what's on the other side of that mountain. And what's on the other side of that mountain is confidence. And when you can give a mom, specifically for me, I do a lot of mommy makeovers, when you take a mom who hasn't worn a bikini, who doesn't feel sexy, and you give her her sex life back, her willingness and happiness to go on vacation and wear bikinis and wear form-fitting clothes, you've made a dramatic impact on that person's life. And it and it's incredibly rewarding to do that. But when, you, when we talk about aftercare, this is not giving someone a Word document, uh, see you in a week, okay? Like... And that, that's the reason I left to go out on my own was I thought the status quo was awful. I thought I would never want my care like this. I would never want a family member to be cared like this. And I said, I'm going to do something about it. And I'm just going to go and do it on my own. You know, we have 25 full-time staff involved in aftercare. Most offices have three people.
2: Can you talk a little bit about the staff roles that you have within that?
1: Yeah. So you need to have like a strong higher, uh, a strong organizational chart. And within that, you need to have systems and processes for communication and for the the way patient information flows to and from the patient. So, you know, it all starts at the front desk. They're like, you know, walk into a restaurant. You know, the maitre d is going to set the tempo. They're the first person you see walking in, the last people you see walking out. Those are your patient concierges. They're really to ensure that the in-house experience is as great as possible. Then we go on to the back of the house. And inside the back of the house, we have a full admin people. We have obviously office managers, and we have people working the phones who are in close connection with the patient concierges and the office managers. Then dedicated patient care coordinators are going to help schedule But then we have a whole team of nursing who are just clinical nurses these are people who are just direct line of access to the patients from you know we operate on people from all walks of the globe today operate on people from three different continents you know this is not you can't have a little office where you you know people just show up and have surgery so dedicated patient concierge nursing or if someone has a direct access to someone Whichever way they want to communicate, text, WhatsApp, email, you know, we give them direct lines, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Because what you do is you unburden the complexity and and create clarity. And through clarity, reduces anxiety, and you just set yourself up for a win. Taking the time, and you know, we just sent our team to the Disney Institute, you know, to work more on just anything we can do for customer care, patient experience. So, and from the, a lot of our team are going down to Patrick Bent-David's conference uh, next week in the vault, which is an entrepreneurial leadership course. So, uh, with all the, you know, top young, young gun entrepreneur leadership people from around the country, you know, I'm sending a whole team of people down there.
0: Awesome.
1: Yeah. There's no reason you can't run your plastic surgery practice, your cardiology practice, like any other business. It's this, you know, you have a service, you provide it. Um, and you should and, pay, and people deserve to be treated, you know, with all the bells and whistles.
0: Yeah. So speaking of lots of dirty practice, what trends and aesthetics are you seeing a lot like from your patients, just in general, what's, what's
1: not, what's nice is we don't see trends because we don't do things that come and go. Okay. We have an aesthetic here, long, lean, elegant lines. We want people to look as good as possible, as natural as possible, and that, that doesn't change, you know, the overly voluptuous curves, huge implants. It's not us. We know who we are. <laughs> we don't pretend we're someone else. Long, lean, natural, and athletic, okay? That's who we are. We're not going to change. We have that New York attitude. You know, we like things done a certain way to look, you know, and that's who we are. We're not flippy floppy. We don't go with the times, you know. We evolve Except for the high-quality aesthetic we provide, every other touchpoint in my practice will change. Every six months, most things should be different because I always say in our team's meeting, I want to make ourselves obsolete because I don't want to ever give anyone a chance to make me obsolete.
0: So speaking of that, the long, elegant, um, you talk about the athletic BBL. And is that kind of a departure from the traditional BBL?
1: Yeah, we use fat for shaping, not really for volume. I believe that when you're sculpting the waist and the thighs appropriately, it it just needs very little fat, which is super safe and like a super easy recovery. I think people want better bums, not just bigger bums. (laughs) I do a lot of revert. know. Yeah, I see a lot of patients for, I see a lot of patients from Florida and South America that travel up for reverse BBLs where they're trying to undo work done elsewhere because the aesthetic didn't match. I think those are important conversations to have with your surgeon, you know, and there's nothing wrong with those aesthetics, right? Like if you want like a huge BBL, just that's fine. Just like know what you're getting yourself into, like clothing, you know, there's different, you know, wherever you go in the world, there's a different style and that's, it's just make sure like, you know, you get the style that you are looking for.
0: Okay. So let's talk breast implants now. Uh, (laughs) I have breast implants. I had a double mastectomy and had, you know, reconstruction. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear. Thank you. I know personally, like I do worry about breast implant illness and, you know, it's something that is in the news so frequently. And do you think that it's overblown or not?
1: I think that if you put something in someone's body, anything, some people are not going to, their body's not going to like it and that's going to manifest itself in certain ways and i think the answer to that is to take it out that that's it yeah i had that's it
2: well okay i want to shift gears a little bit and let's <laughs> let's talk yeah. let's talk if a little you're bit allergic, about allergic if you're allergic um, to something like
1: stop using it
2: yeah no true true well okay i want to switch gears a little bit um, and talk about something that you know is what you brought uh, you to our attention and that's your social media presence Um, particularly on Instagram. So talk to us a a bit about how plastic surgeons can use social media to advance their practice. And, you know, what are those top do's and don'ts for plastic surgeons that they should be keeping in mind? Well,
1: you know, Da Vinci said, few men have ever gotten anywhere by things happening to them. You have to do things, okay? So in life, nothing is going, you can't rely on anyone, nothing's going to happen to you. But I think it's super important. And if, as a patient, you know, who's, I've been a patient of any type of medicine, you want to understand your provider. But the number one thing I'm really looking for is trust, right? I want to know that I can trust this person. So the simplest way on social media is to be transparent about who you are inside and out of the operating room, inside and out of the practice surgery like, I wish I had all the pilots for every plane I ever take, you know, it's trust. I want to know what this person does at night. I want to know what this person does on the weekend. You know, um, I'm pretty hyper disciplined. Like I'm all in, like, you know, it's 4am up reading. I like to read every morning before I start my day. And then it's in the gym. I like to go to bed early. And a lot of my weekends, it's like, it's, you know, it's exercise, exercise, family. And like me and my wife like to go to, you know, different events with our friends. Um, but like we're out early like you know we live that's that life I live is important to my patients you know people so I think people need to be vulnerable enough and that's and that's very scary for most people you have to be vulnerable enough to show who you are um, and when people don't show who they are that creates confusion because people are then left to guess <laughs> so so I think, honestly, having your social media presence just to be an accurate representation of who you are and what you do, it's, it's that simple. I think it's important to be constant and committed to it. People like to see that you are doing you know, the procedure they like frequently. People like to see that the procedure they want is being enjoyed by the patient, so testimonial. People want to see the process from beginning to end. They don't need to see the details or how the sausage is made in the operating room. I mean, people, people want the baby, not the pregnancy, you know. Um, <laughs> but it's important to know you need to share with people what you do, why you do it, and how do they get it. Um, but if the, my number one thing to let people know is be vulnerable. Open up. You do not have to be perfect. You do not have to be polished. People actually—I mean—if I see an account on social media that's perfectly polished, I, I, I'm immediately turned off because it's unrealistic and unrepresentative and inauthentic. You know, if I'm going to a surgeon, I'd like to see that, like, you know, um, they have a very stable personal life, that they're disciplined, they're up early, they go to bed early. You know, if my—if I'm going to a surgeon and I'm seeing posting at nightclubs on a Wednesday, like, I'm—I'm I'm out of here, right? Yeah, I, I'm out. <laughs>
0: I'm done, that's a good yeah. point.
1: you know, <laughs> and people's personality comes out. If people are, you know, t- complaining about people all the time and they're a negative Nancy or they're a bully like that, that's not a nice thing too. You don't want to be going into someone who has that kind of mindset. You know, we, w- people are very vulnerable when they come to a plastic surgeon and they're going to see themselves and results and people through their own lens. And it's our responsibility to be able to see things through, through their lens It is not a responsibility to try to convince them to see it through our lens. (laughs) Good point. I mean, it's been said for thousands of years, you know, you must seek first to understand if you want to be understood.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Well, I have a follow up. Hit question. me. So you know, rec- <laughs> recently, you know, there's was a TikTok controversy TikTok um, where a plastic surgeon's nurse practitioner shared how she would treat the actress Natalie or Natalie. I it's Natalia or N- Natalie Dyer, a 27 year old actress from Stranger Things. But then there was more recently a plastic surgeon who was on Instagram who critiqued the appearance of the supermodel Polina Poroskova, who's I think in her 50s now. And so she recommended, you know, procedures she could have done, you know, and there was a lot of backlash with these. Um, and uh, Poroskova actually came out and said, you know, I don't appreciate this. And my question to you is, you know, given the fact that you're doing a lot of social media, where is that line in terms of having that social media post and, you know, getting those likes?
1: Um, First of all, integrity is everything in life. And if you set your life to have a virtuous, like, uh, you guys are telling me these things, I actually don't, I've never even heard of any of this stuff. And it seems like absolute nonsense to me. Like, I, I can't even understand or comprehend why someone would do any of these. I mean, listen, we get up every day, like, with integrity. We don't comment about other people. We don't, you know, I I, I don't even understand how any of this is relevant to anything. Like, I don't understand the upside. It's how is this committing good to the world? Right. But I hold myself tolerant of others, strict with myself. So, and my staff believe in that as well. So none of this is even in our atmosphere.
0: So speaking of integrity, we want to hear more about you outside the office. I mean, you told us that you are up every morning reading early. Okay, so to keep your mind sharp, what three books should everyone, whether they're plastic surgeon, anyone, which three books should people read and why?
1: You should read Courage is Calling by my friend Ryan Holiday because it's important to, you know, Stoic philosophy has been around for 2,000 years. But if you go pick up a copy of Marcus Aurelius' Meditations, you're going to have trouble reading it. It's dry. It's in ancient Greek. Even when translated into Latin, it's very difficult to understand. But when you spin it with a modern twist into real-life examples, you know, when we talk about Hemingway and Churchill and Mother Teresa, and you can put in, you know... Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, all these modern things, you realize, you know, doing the right thing for the right reasons, the right way. It's been around for 2000 years. And it's nice to have modern examples because that will help guide you. And then if you're looking for things that will help you actually, you know, not just give you a rah rah or a warm, fuzzy sense in your heart, you should read Stephen Covey's Seven High, the habits of highly effective people. Because when you do these things, you know, if you actually do the things highly effective people do, as I do all day, every day, things matter. We talked about me waking up at 4 a.m. every day. You know, I don't do that by accident. You know, that what that does, by setting, by winning the wake up, I create momentum for the day, right? I'm up an hour or two before anyone else. So in the course of a year, I'm going to get 40%, 30 to 40% more done than anyone else. You add that by 10 years, that's like 3000% more productive. Wow. Okay. So that that stuff matters. That's just simply by setting your alarm early. Um and then it's that's momentum, okay? So now you're up, you're ready to go. You start reading, you get the mind going, you know, you got to lubricate those neurons and those synapses so your brain is firing and then you hit the gym. So now you're you, you're up early, it's it's 5:30 in the morning. Your mind's right. Your body's right. I mean, you're ready to go. So that day, you've already won, and now you're le- you're just starting your day. So those things are important. Um, the third book uh, I would suggest that many people read, and this is just a personal favorite of mine. Um, I'm a big John F. Kennedy fan, and you should read Profiles in Courage. Um, he won the Pulitzer Prize. I think he was an incredible person. I think... I believe, I truly believe in his view of America. Um, America is great when, when people do you know, hard things with a purpose um, and when you do things you know, for your country, not waiting for people to do things for you. And uh, I think if everyone just took a little bit more of that old Jack Kennedy, rah, rah, can do, we'd get a lot more accomplished and move things in a, in a straighter line to the ultimate goal.
0: Well, that was very helpful. And thank you so much, Dr. Neinstein. This conversation was so fun and informative. Um, And to our listeners, thank you for joining us for this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Medcore Podcast Network to keep up with the latest Plastic Surgery Practice podcast episodes. And be sure to check out PlasticSurgeryPractice.com for the latest plastic surgery news. Until next time, take care. Thank you.